Welcome back to the Cyclone Scoop podcast. Here with our weekly previews in the football season. And I am very grateful to be joined by my friend and terrific colleague with Kansas State over at Go Power Cat at 247 Sports. Fitz, the legend himself, Tim Fitzgerald. Fitz, how are you doing tonight, my friend? I'm I'm good, brother. I've spent my day uh, angering um, Texas fans, so I feel like I've accomplished something. I saw that you did, but that's yeah. really just another Monday for you, quite honestly. Yeah, yeah. It was like a slow day, and I thought I'd piss off the Longhorns. Mission accomplished. And that's nothing new with him. So, you know, we really got to kind of spend some time together at Big 12 this summer, which was awesome. And now we're obviously in the height of football season. Kansas State, who a lot of people were, you know, I would say pretty high on going into the year. Maybe some question marks a couple weeks ago, but they've gotten hot coming in at 4-1, and one, top 20 team in the country. Kind of based on your expectations, Fitz, you know, how would you describe the season so far? And what have you really seen? As I know you're pretty locked into the Wildcats with everything. Uh, I tell you what, that, that result against Tulane – while surprising, really wasn't that surprising. You could almost feel it coming. You know, there was a lot of attention with OU the next week, and Tulane comes in with, um, you know, a little bit of momentum off of playing some really weak non-conference foes. But, you know, nobody at K-State is going to criticize uh, them for doing that. That's what Bill Snyder did for a lot of years, and it works. And it, it was proven to work. And that's a really good Tulane team, but K-State really stunk it up that day. And they really struggled to find their identity on offense, and they went to Oklahoma and did a much better job of defining that. Um, I think we're finding now that, honestly, maybe that Oklahoma win wasn't quite as valuable as perceived at the time because I'm suspecting after what happened against TCU, maybe Oklahoma stinks. But uh, it still kind of put K-State back on course because at the start of the season, I thought they would be 4-1 and one going to Iowa State. This isn't how I thought they'd be 4-1, and one, but here we are. And the upside of this version is, you're unbeaten in Big 12 play, which is always, uh, at the end of the day, more important. Yeah, and as we're kind of seeing by the week, you mentioned that TCU game. Oklahoma certainly defensively has a lot of issues. But, I mean, certainly to go into Norman really any time, right, to beat an Oklahoma team that certainly has some great recruits, you know, that's always kind of a positive. What did you see? You mentioned kind of maybe that you could feel that Tulane loss coming or it was maybe needed to kind of lock the team in. Where did you see some, you know, kind of tweaks or adjustments from the, the two-lane game to the Sooners' victory? Well, they, they hadn't thrown the ball with great effect um, leading into the Oklahoma game, and they really struggled to do it against Tulane. But it felt more like it wasn't an inability to do it. They just couldn't shift the gears to do it. They couldn't flip it on like they thought they could. Um, and honestly, I think Adrian Martinez was – a little bit turnover hesitant. You know, we all know his reputation coming out of Nebraska. I think he was being overprotective with that, and he needed to get back to playing the way he can play, which he did at Oklahoma. Now we saw him uh, run the ball very effectively uh, against uh, Texas Tech this weekend, this past weekend. Uh, but, again, not a great throwing performance. This is the worst passing team right now in the Big 12 and the best rushing team. In fact, I see that. Um, Deuce and Adrian, Deuce Vaughn and Adrian Martinez are like one and three in the conference in rushing, which is a hard task. It's hard to pull that off to get two guys running like this. But, man, uh, you know, when you get 171 on the ground from your quarterback and 170 out on the ground from your running back when the other team knows you're probably going to run the ball, you're doing something right. And that's where they're at right now. And I was wondering who was going to kind of drop that 
that first because I saw that in some of my game prep. It's pretty ridiculous. Comfortably, two guys in that top five, you know, rushing in the conference is really impressive. Obviously, the expectations were there, have been there with Deuce. And, you know, kind of a lot of people were jumping on the Wildcats a little bit as, you know, kind of a quote-unquote national dark horse, I would say. And I think, to me, this just shows – I think the talent's there with K-State, but in this Big 12 conference, it really couldn't be much more wide open in terms of not only overall talent, but maybe some of the variants you see from week to week. Yeah, this is going to come down to how every game, how the two teams fit together. Um, You know, I don't take much out of what happened to Iowa State at Kansas. Um, I just think it was one of those things where Iowa State opened up the door enough for Kansas to get the win. I think Iowa State's going to be ready for K-State. You know, Chris Kleiman keeps saying we've got 12 one-game seasons, uh, which is, you know, a fancy way of saying one game at a time. And and you really have to. In this conference, more than any other season, it's always this way in the Big 12. But this season, there's literally no one you can sleep on. You just – when you consider that Tech and Kansas were picked for 9 and 10, and I'm telling you, those are mid to upper teams right now. Um, it just ushers in the chaos. I think TCU was picked for the bottom half. They're unbeaten. It's it's crazy right now in the Big 12. Uh, but that's what makes the Big 12 kind of fun and charming to cover. Absolutely. TCU is another team that kind of has really surpassed <clears throat> expectations for me. Whereas Iowa State, you know, I thought that they would be at least 4-1 and one at this point. I think that they certainly – they left the door open, as you said, in Lawrence – and they, they have enough talent. I think the coaching is certainly there with Campbell and a staff that's been around a long time, but the execution just wasn't there. And that's something that obviously against a very talented Wildcats team coming this week, that's just not going to work for Iowa State to pick up their first Big 12 win. So as we kind of get into you know predictions a little bit later, that's something I know has to get cleaned up. I've also been familiar with Martinez for a long time. I'm a Big Ten guy at heart, Mm -hmm. um, you know, coming from Wisconsin. And he always had this kind of prowess and skill to be able to make plays on the ground. But have you seen it potentially take off to another level this year? And is the offense really just kind of embracing this two-headed, you know, potential attack in terms of rushing the game? For all he did at Nebraska, and he had good players around him, he didn't have a deuce bond. Uh, and we're still seeing that <clears throat> defenses are absolutely committed to stopping Deuce Vaughn, which makes that zone read, you know, so effective because we saw it again on Saturday. We saw it repeatedly against Oklahoma. He'll put that ball in the belly of Deuce Vaughn and everyone goes to tackle the little guy and he doesn't have the ball. And Adrian's just running free, untouched. And we saw him go uh, repeatedly long distance because uh, everyone was so focused on Deuce. We knew coming in, it would be in a really effective tool for Kansas State that they would be going to that a lot. Uh, but I got to be honest, these last two weeks of opening Big 12 play, it, it's been at a level I really didn't expect. I mean, they, they are running that so well. Um, Adrian's executing that at such a high level. It's almost impossible to tell who has the ball in that split second when a defender has to decide which way they're going. And um, as soon as they switch to trying to keep an eye on Adrian, the deuce is going to become a problem. And I said at the start of the season, I don't know how a defensive coordinator solves this. You, you just got to you gotta tackle everyone, basically. You got to just – someone's got to tackle everyone on the field because someone's got the ball. 
And Iowa State certainly has to be careful with that because there could be some ghost targeting penalties, really, whatever they do. However, that rushing game has been really special. But you mentioned kind of the, the passing game or a lack thereof. Do you feel that they're just kind of embracing the run game? Does Kansas State not have kind of a lot of top-tier weapons at wideout? Or, or why do you feel that kind of is so far, Fitz? They're not great at receiver. They're just not. I mean, they're good. They're solid. Um, they've got guys that are, are great athletes. I mean, they're effective in the return game. Um, they just may not break free and from coverage quite a bit. We saw Ben Sennett, tight end fullback, have five catches or four catches. He was Every time he's targeted, he caught the ball at Oklahoma. That was a good weapon. Tech kind of took that away. Um, but uh, as, as they begin to express more and more opportunities to throw the ball, it'll get even more confusing to try to stop the run. And so everything it appears that they want to do throwing the ball is in complement to the run. And if it's to back up the defense, get those safeties out of the box, uh, keep those linebackers honest, uh, all of that is going to be valuable for Kansas State going forward. But they're going to have to find a way to throw the ball more consistently. And, and honestly, what they're doing a lot with the throwing game is just that little bubble screen out in the flat. Just throw it to the receivers. Make sure that defense has to play sideline to sideline while they're still trying to worry about a deuce and Adrian coming through the middle of the tackles. So um, it's it's uh, in some ways very simple what they're trying to do. In other ways, I, I don't know quite how you're going to stop it, particularly if they find a way to consistently get the ball down the field. And I'm not talking long down the field. They just need to be establishing those 10 to 20-yard uh, receptions that will really loosen up a defense. And that's a spot, honestly, one of the things I'm most intrigued by going into this weekend. You mentioned the screen game, speed sideline to sideline. And I felt like Iowa State defensive coordinator John Haycock and that defense actually had a really good game plan for a good explosive offense in Kansas that likes to run the option and has like a very much dual threat quarterback in Jalen Daniels. I felt that the defense did enough to win that game last week. And so it'll be interesting to see, obviously, different players, but two teams that like to run the football, how much that game plan is kind of similar. Because if Iowa State executes 70, 75 percent of what they should have last week, that would have been a victory. And that obviously would have turned out well for the defense that has gotten some credit, even a little bit nationally since that game. They're among one of the best units in the Big 12, but they just didn't get a lot of help from the offense and kind of the special teams. Were you able to see any of that or kind of how that played out Saturday? Well, um, you know, with Kansas State, special teams is always such a big thing. So if Iowa State doesn't improve those special teams, they're going to lose right there. I mean, um, the special teams, This I, I've got to figure out how to say this. The special teams for Iowa State were so bad, they put themselves in a position to be worse. And what I mean by that is without screwing up an extra point and ending up with a two-point conversion, you're not kicking field goals and, and you know, you're going for it. Exactly. Uh, it kind of just snowballed on, on them. And uh, I feel horrible for the kicker. I, I just, what a horrible day. I mean, we all have bad days, but to do it in front of a, a national TV audience and miss field goals, I've, I've seen some really good kickers at K-State do that exact same thing, but uh, you got to be good in special teams. That's something that K-State has carried over from coach to coach to coach. And uh, the Wildcats continue to be that. And I, I, I do want to compliment Tulane. They took special teams out of it. They, they, that was completely out of the equation. They didn't let anyone get returns. They didn't make any mistakes in special teams. Um, and Texas Tech, to a lesser degree, did the same thing. 
And those have been the two most competitive games. And I think you make a great point. I mean, we're, we're similar in kind of that personal element. I, I wrote about it. I've said it on my board and things like that. I felt horrible for Jace Gilbert, the freshman kicker, too. Not only, you know, missing that, but it's just a tough spot to even be placed in in the first place. And Campbell hit on it a little bit after the game. It's just so unfortunate because Iowa State might have had their best special teams game a week prior against Baylor. Gilbert was doing some good work. Tyler Perkins, a true freshman punter, had his best game of the year so far. The coverage was much improved. That's not getting a ton of talk either, but that was not great against Kansas either. That's certainly been, you know, kind of an Achilles heel for Iowa State, right? And I know that that is a spot with Kansas State that they do kind of put a lot of attention and time into it. They found some success there. It'll be interesting to see how that affects things on Saturday. Now, we talked a little bit about the offense. I know that Kansas State had some stars on the defense come back as well, at least one major name in that front. Who would you say are a couple other guys that Iowa State should be looking out for and for the fans listening going into Saturday night at Jack Trice? You know, what's interesting is despite the amount of points they've given up the last two weeks, I think the defense has been effective as a complement to the offense. They've, they've gotten enough stops against Oklahoma and Tech uh, and turnovers against Tech certainly to, to win the game. And, you know, while some of the stats may not look great, uh, they got outgained by Texas Tech, they have been effective in how they've gone about their business. And one of the things that we knew coming into the season, we all talked about the, the complimentary guys in the backfield for Kansas State. Well, they've got the same thing on defense. And uh, Felix Andy Duque Uzama, everyone knew about him. He's a preseason Big 12 player of the year. He is a true edge rusher that you have to double team. And that's all he sees anymore. And I think he said against Tech, he saw two snaps where he wasn't double teamed. Well, that causes problems. And that's that means against Oklahoma, Eli Huggins had a really good game and played incredibly well at the nose tackle spot. Um, they're kind of operating right now. They hope to have him back full strength, Nate Matlack. Their other defensive end <clears throat> had a high ankle sprain um, against Tulane, and they're hoping to get him back up to speed. But as an answer to that, they moved Khalid Duke um, up to the line of scrimmage a little bit more against Tech than he has been. This is a converted defensive end who blew his knee out last year in week three or two, and uh, it was a catastrophic knee injury. And he missed all of spring, most of the fall, um, and then that is now just getting up to speed, uh, playing a new position for the most part. But they moved him up to the line as a rusher. Well, him and you know Khalid Duke and Andy Dike Uzama both have three sacks. So we're talking about a couple things that happened in this game that have never been replicated in Kansas State football history. First of all, they've never had two guys get three sacks in the same game in the history of K-State football, which is pretty remarkable when you stop and think about just pulling that feed off, being in enough positions to, to have three sacks as an individual, let alone a teammate doing it. And it's the first time the two guys, uh, the same guys in back-to-back -back games have gone for 100 yards. And that's the first time it's happened in school history. So they're, they're doing some really fun things, um, but that those guys aren't alone on defense. Julius Brinks had a corner spot. He's been outstanding. Daniel Green, the middle linebacker, is, is always a force. Um, but one of the guys I think you should probably keep your eye on is number two. He's a safety out of Tyler Junior College out of Texas. His name's Kobe Savage, a perfect name for this kid. He's a vicious hitter. Uh, great young man. But uh, they went in and they went out and found three transfer safeties that are playing for him. Uh, and they're all really good, including number one, Josh Hayes. So they got a lot of dudes. Uh, they, they've just given up some yardage here 
last couple weeks, but as long as they keep getting enough answers on defense, K-State will keep winning games. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of dudes, most of who I'm familiar with. Can't say quite all of them. And, you know, similar to Iowa State, they're among, quite honestly, one of the best units really in the country by many measures so far. Um, You know, obviously, Will McDonald was a big name coming into this year. Anthony Johnson made a switch from corner to safety. He's graded out well. He's one of the biggest leaders on the team. A unit that's really been good at kind of forcing some turnovers is the linebacking core. They don't necessarily have that star power per se in like a McDonald or some of the secondary, another player I'll hit on, but just guys that have been around for four or five, even six years, a a Delaware transfer, Colby reader has been around a long time, Orion Vance, and they've done a nice job there. I think that Haycock and linebackers coach Tyson Vite have really gotten that group ready to play. Their ceiling might not be as high as say, you know, the edge rushers or the secondary that I will touch on again, but they just show up and that floor of the defense just keeps them in most games, which again is kind of disappointing that it hasn't translated to more wins for that unit. I also mentioned number two on Iowa State, a corner, TJ Tampa. He's someone I had not heard of a lot before I got here. First, you know, kind of football season being here. And he looks like he can play on Sundays, my friend. He really brings it. His coverage has improved. He's consistently one of the best graded players on the team. But what's so impressive as a corner is he loves to tackle. Converted wide receiver coming out of high school. And he's someone, along with the safeties and, of course, the linebackers, that will be huge in keeping an eye on some of the great rushers that Kansas State has, moving up in the run and being able to make plays there. I think combined we're looking at probably – at least seven or eight guys from these defenses total that could potentially be playing at the next level. Is, is Iowa State a primarily a zone or man on the back end? Or mix it up? Quite honestly, with, with the way that they like to bring their safeties up, I think that they enjoy to keep it man on the corners, but they, they have mixed it up a little bit, at least from what I've seen in the last couple of games. Certainly they've moved kind of where they're – you know, their linebackers go and the safeties, like I said, they either play up in the run or they've got the skills to help in coverage. But those corners, they they play man and they just kind of put them on the edge a lot. And they've done a nice job. Uh, they got a little bit lucky against Kansas and Jalen Daniels. He had a couple what would have been like for sure touchdowns that he missed. Uh, but TJ Tampa has really impressed me. He's a junior and Miles Purchase is a sophomore. Those are the top two you'll generally see in man good at coverage not afraid to get physical but i'm really high on that secondary back there yeah the the reason i ask is we've seen now back-to-back weeks oklahoma on a a crucial third and 16 goes man k-state runs everyone deep there's no one open well that means everyone is down the field with their backs turned and off goes adrian martinez and then we saw in the second half as texas tech tried to close that gap a little bit they started run blitzing quite a bit with man on the outside, well, you get through that first level and there's literally no one paying attention. So it's it's an interesting piece of the chess match here to see how uh, this really pretty good Iowa State defense wants to address that. And I think the, I, I would imagine we're going to see them in a lot of zone uh, because, one, like I said, the receivers aren't the huge threat that maybe you see from other programs. Uh, and, two, I'd much rather gamble on those guys making plays than turning my back on Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn. Exactly. And, that, and that's why I said they kind of like, you know, the mixing up because the guys even that come up from the safety position or that maybe have a little more boundary to cover Johnson, Bo Freeler, true sophomore, they're not afraid to hit. 
and they will be instrumental in keeping eyes on obviously Martinez and other great players on Kansas State. So as we get close to prediction time here, Fitz, where do you see a spot or two that Iowa State could potentially take advantage and maybe find some holes in Kansas State on either side? Well, I'll, let me ask you this. What's going on with the quarterback position? He was not good against Kansas. And the little bits I was able to watch, he's missing in receivers or not putting it in a position where they can make a play after the catch. That has to get cleaned up. And is that something you've seen all season or is that just a I'm in Lawrence and I hate my life thing? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's something I've, I've had to write about every week, right? Hunter Decker's first year starter has really seemingly all the talent in the world at the position, but he's just had this turnover bug. He has turned it over at least once in every game. Uh, and I believe he's got two games with at least two turnovers. He, he just, he, he's got some really, really tough plays against teams like Iowa and Baylor. He lost a fumble in the Ohio game and against better opponents like Kansas state is a complete team in my eyes. Those will add up. I don't feel that they've necessarily caused a loss yet just because of kind of how poor some of the other elements of the team have shown up, but it adds up. Like I said, if Iowa had a halfway decent offense, those turnovers would have ruined the game. Then you're looking at a two and three team. You don't have the excitement after the Seahawks victory. So yeah, unfortunately, my friend, that, that has been a common theme. He can make just about every throw. He's relatively athletic. He's strong. And he's got all the confidence of the team and really the staff. But the turnover bug is, has bit him. And I wrote that that could not happen against Kansas. It did. And obviously, it turns into another loss. Yeah, it's going to be crucial for Iowa State to just kind of wear down that K-State defense, which means, you know, I actually, I think this K-State team is strangely equipped to get into a shootout uh, because they can score quickly, which is not something I've said about Kansas State much in the last, you know, 10 plus years. <clears throat> so it's it's probably you know, important for Iowa State to possess the ball, you know, run it with great effect and uh, uh, try to wear down that K-State defense because Tulane did that. Uh, they kept K-State's defense on the field and, and had them worn out. Oklahoma did that, but K-State was able to shuffle enough bodies through that game to survive it. Uh, but, boy, I, I think it's supposed to be a little bit cooler up in Ames, but uh, it's been a struggle with some of the heat for this defense to stay fresh enough, particularly now that already at midseason, you've got some injuries at key positions, so you're a little bit thinner than you'd like to be. Yeah, I would probably say if this turned into a shootout, I may have to favor Kansas State just because of what they've shown more consistently, some of the injuries that Iowa State is dealing with, especially in the backfield. Now, a spot that I haven't necessarily heard as much about uh, in terms of Kansas State, like you mentioned, is that wide receiving core. So I feel that Iowa State can kind of put their corners on an island against these guys, really focus on the run game. I think that Haycock will have a similar as well as a really good game plan to kind of deal with Martinez and Vaughn and an offense that seems to be clicking for the Wildcats. But on the other side, I'm a little bit worried about how Iowa State is going to score points because they've struggled so much recently and health and turnovers have been such a big aspect in that. I'm just worried that uh, Brees Hall is going to show up and play. Uh, <laughs> let's be clear. He's not going to be there, right? He won't play. There are rumors, but it's not like. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I can't get rid of the guy. I thought he went to the NFL. He's probably going to show up and play. It, it's just as a fair. And it's, it, it's one of those things. It's not just a good running back. It's one that got out of the backyard here. 
Uh, and then he had to put up with him for like, I think he played like seven years. I think he was <laughs> at Iowa State. It felt like that. Yeah, he's balling on Sundays now, obviously. Yeah. And Kansas State might get lucky in terms of health because right now I would say the Cyclones' two best running backs are dealing with some injuries. It's not necessarily at the time of this recording, you know, set that either one is is going to be out for certain. But I, I can tell you I'd be surprised if both play. And I'd be surprised if either is really 100% already uh, with some lower kind of body injuries there. But finally, Fitz, you know, with all that being said, what do you feel is, is you know, really going to happen Saturday night in a night game, my first one here that I'm really excited about? And will we in Ames be graced by your presence of, you know, yourself and the Go Power Cat team? We will be there. <clears throat> we will indeed be there. And we'll come up Saturday and, and go to the game and then stay Saturday night and, and day some moinus and uh, head home from there. But um, this K-State team has been hard to figure out. Uh, you can see that they could be great. Um, they were really good at Oklahoma. But again, like I said, how do you measure that now that we know a little bit more about Oklahoma? I still feel like they've got a whole different gear that they can hit, a much higher gear where they can be more effective offensively and certainly defensively and then get special teams mixed in. Um, I think K-State wins this game, uh, but this is a great rivalry. I love this series so much. And it's kind of been like this low-key rivalry uh, that now it's beginning to warm up a little bit. Um, and the whole Farmageddon thing is just brilliant. Um, my, my friend who came up with that is just – it's absolutely incredible. And uh, now it's getting a little heat to it. There's a little – you get on social media, there's a little back and forth uh, and but you're I'll not say this shy away from that either. No, no, I'm, I'm not. Uh, although I don't dislike Iowa state. I might poke fun at the Cyclones. I might think Matt Campbell gets a little bit too much credit. Uh, even though I think he's a really good coach. Um, I, I think he might be a, a little bit, um, overthought of, I, I don't mean that as an insult, but anyhow, um, I, I've said repeatedly that what I love about the new 12, the new big 12, is I feel like the spinal column of this conference is ag-based, which as an ag guy, as you know, guy growing up in Kansas, I, I think it's endearing. I think it's an important personal quality to have to understand where your food comes from and, and what, what that means to live out in rural areas. But I think the spine of this, this conference runs straight from Ames to Manhattan to Stillwater to Lubbock. Um, and and that, that four, those four schools are – and that's not an insult to Baylor, which I think is going to be a big player, or Kansas or anyone else. But I feel like those four schools sum up the heart and soul of this conference. And uh, I, I love Farmageddon. It's it's just a really good series. But by God, we need a trophy. Nick, you, you get a trophy for us? Something with corn and wheat and a tractor? I don't know. I've seen some great mock-ups. I just need something. We need a trophy for this game. We don't have enough trophies, Big Ten guy, in the Big 12. The Big Ten has a trophy for freaking everything. I mean, you know, like uh, I think uh, Wisconsin and uh, is it Wisconsin or Minnesota? Wisconsin and, and Michigan, don't they play for Upper Peninsula every year? And they're like, you get it this year and when we get it. See, yeah. we don't have that. We could play like for uh, uh, Northwest Missouri. We could just like claim Northwest Missouri. The winner of the Iowa-Kansas State game gets Northwest Missouri, which is a lovely place to be. Um if you have nowhere else to be. And, um, but uh, it, it, we need some heat in this series and a trophy. That's really what I want. 
Well, I, I can't promise you the trophy this weekend. I can Dang say it. if you swing by, my family's actually going to be in town, so you could get some some homemade cooking there. In terms of a prediction, it's hard to disagree with you. From from what I have seen from Iowa State, just the high floor of this team, and what people tell me about how Campbell and this staff have kind of reacted to, you know, maybe backs against the wall or things like that. And the fact that they're just so close to getting these games, I, I will put it out there, you know, fool me once and, and I will kind of look bad if they still can't get it done. But I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a slugfest in terms of rushing the ball. I think the Jack Trice is going to be rocking and I'm going to yep. give home team the slightest edge by a score of something like 27 to 25. And I'll admit it, it just feels like so much of it is, is desperation because if you fall to three and three, Owen three in the big 12, I really don't know how you come back from that. And the fact is, I think I do think highly of Campbell. I think very highly of the staff, but the talent is there. I mean, we talked about the defense. They've got one of the top, what, seven or eight wide receivers in the country, an experienced offensive line. I just feel like they've got to put it together soon enough. So it's not an easy pick by any means. Nothing would shock me. I think the only thing that would shock me is maybe if Iowa State just rolls by, you know, three scores because we've mm -hmm. seen Kansas State can put up points. Iowa State hasn't been consistent with that. I'll go the clones in a close one, but would not shock me at all. If Kansas State came in, they stayed hot with that game, the run game, and they got the victory. Well, I do want to warn you, if Iowa State starts off 0-3 in the conference, Oklahoma starts off 0-3 in the conference, and Kansas is somehow 3-0 and in the conference, uh, there, there probably won't be an end to the season because the, the giant asteroid will strike the earth at any moment. And it is a sign of the apocalypse. So uh, that might be a nice out. If you lose Saturday and Kansas wins, the end of the world might save you. So <laughs> I, I, I can't explain what's going on in Lawrence, but it's impressive. It absolutely is. It has been very impressive. I was waiting for, quite honestly, one of the best senses of humor that I've been around in you <laughs> to come out. We got it cooking a little bit late. I know this is our first show together. Uh, but in all sincerity, Fitz, I, I know that you know, you're busy. You got that team rocking over there at GPC. That I know. I love those dudes. I was talking with Ryan Gilbert a bit today as well. And, you know, I felt like this is one of this has been one of my longer shows as I expected. I think we're in for a treat Saturday night. And sincerely, thank you so much for coming out, my friend. Thank you, brother. I love those Iowa State fans. Those are some good people. Honestly, they've been some of the best I've ever been around. Folks, yep. I hope you enjoy this one. We will be live, of course, Saturday night at Jack Trice. Until then, thank you for tuning in. We will see you next time on the Cyclone Scoop Podcast.